Hey, welcome back into a special edition of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. I am Gabe DeArmond. No special title, no sponsor, anything for this one because this one's a little bit different. Uh, just a conversation. We're going to bring a guest here. We're going to pop him on the screen right now. This sounds weird to say. Former St. Louis Post-Dispatch uh, Mizzou beat writer, Dave Matter. Um, it's been, what, a week, Dave? You used to that, uh, you used to just hanging around the house with absolutely nothing to do instead of hanging around the house with like a couple things to do? Um, yeah, I've, I've had to do a little uh, for, for the next job, which I don't think we're going to get into today. I've had to right. do a little work, uh, just getting, getting a head start on things, but um, yeah, it's been um, it's been it's been strange. I've I've read all the coverage about Mizzou. I'm not I'm not writing or doing anything else for the Post Dispatch. It was kind of a clean break um, from when I I told them I was I was stepping away and uh, at, at, at weird timing, of course, with the season right here, football season right here. But so it has been very a surreal week or so. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, um, like Dave said, he's going to announce what he's doing next when he's ready to announce what he's doing next. Um, this appearance on this podcast does not mean that he is coming to write for powermazoo.com next. So I know that, uh, I, I know he frequently asked if he could just, uh, post on the message board just for fun, because, <laughs> because it, it's a, a wonderful place with great interactions. But, um, so like mostly we're just going to kind of talk about between the two of us, we've got almost 50 years covering Mizzou, um, which is kind of wild. Uh, it's going to be more or less like two guys sitting around having a beer and talking, except no beer. Um, something that Dave and I have done a few times. Those stories are on a separate podcast on the dark web, which, uh, which we'll, we'll, we'll put on the Patreon account. But, um, so before we get into that though, Dave, like a lot of fans want to know, like, why now? What, why was this a, man, I'm looking to get out of what I'm doing or was this just kind of something else popped up? Yeah, I, I, I wasn't necessarily looking to get out. I mean, I think it's fair to say the state of the newspaper industry isn't great. And that was probably a factor in, in this decision, but it all, it really came down to getting a really great offer for a new opportunity that is still uh, heavily involved in college athletics, but isn't uh, on the day-to-day -day coverage of college athletics. And um, I felt, you know, opportunities like this had come up before, you know, not not as seriously as this one so it's always been something in the back of my mind um, but it, for whatever reason timing wasn't right in the past and this time even though it's unfortunate that this happened right before the start of the season i do, I do feel bad to uh, <clears throat> kind of leave the paper hanging there but it was a this was a what, what do they say on uh when kids coaches used to say when they commit it's not a four-year decision this is a 40-year decision well i don't know if it's a 40-year decision but this is a more of a long-term lifestyle type choice um a career pivot uh you know to a degree but but actually you know it, big picture wise it was and i i was ready for change i didn't i didn't i, I still enjoyed what i was doing i, I really enjoyed working at the post dispatch there was I've, I've heard some chatter read some chatter online that there was like a contract dispute or I left on bad terms or nothing like that is remotely true. I mean, they were, they were pretty shocked. Um, not, you know, not surprised that I had other interest out there because I've had a lot of interest over the years. And you and I talked a couple of years ago about mm -hmm. joining forces uh, at power Mizzou. Um, but um, no, they, they were not, you know, thrilled to see me go or anything like that. And I, it was, it was a bittersweet kind of decision too. So it wasn't easy to make, but you know, this, my birthday was the other day 
And my first story for the Columbia Daily Tribune, I wrote on my birthday 25 mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and I came to the Post-Dispatch 10 years ago. So I felt like 25 and 10 were two nice round numbers. Uh, I'm, I, I don't walk away with any kind of like, oh, um, I'm going to regret this soon or anything like that. I feel like some good closure. I feel like a, I really feel content, a lot of gratitude. It was a great experience to work at the Post-Dispatch. It was my dream job, you know, when I was young. And, you know, 10 years was, it was a really good run. But I was just ready for something else. I think my, my family's probably ready for something else. And, um, you know, what I'm going to do now, I think there's a lot more room for growth. I feel like after 10 years at the, at the paper, I kind of hit my ceiling. Um, my head was hitting the ceiling at least. There wasn't a whole lot else for me to do. And, and after doing the kind of the same job for a long time, I was just ready for, for a new challenge, for lack of a better word. I mean, I hit my ceiling like 12 years ago. You know, <laughs> hang on as long as I can. Uh, but like, so we're recording this Tuesday afternoon. We're about at 53 hours, something like that, from the season opener. How how many games, how long do you think it'll be kind of weird sitting there going, oh, wait, I don't have to care if Brady Cook's better than Sam Horn or what Eli Drinkwitz did on fourth and three in the, in the fourth quarter because, like, I don't have to go write a story about it in the immediate aftermath. Yeah, so I'm going to have a perspective on it, uh, put it right. that way, but it'll be different. And uh, I think it's going to take a transition for me. It's going to take some time. Uh, we're really teasing people here because I'm not getting into <laughs> what I'm doing next. But it is going to there is going to be an adjustment for sure. Uh, and it's it's just the way I think. I mean, I so last night I had a I had a dream. And I have this dream a lot. It's like a recurring nightmare where I'm either at home and I flip on TV and there's a Mizzou game on and I forgot to go, or I'm like have, you know, writers, severe writers cramp or like my computer doesn't work on deadline or something like that. I had a dream last night that I was, it was Mizzou LSU. I had like four stories to write all on deadline and having to watch the game. Um, and it was just complete stress. I woke up, freaked out, you know, then realized <laughs> where, where I was and what was going on. So I, I do think, um, I won't miss some of that, um, but it was a great opportunity for a long time to be able to, to do that. I, I think I got better the older I got at kind of handling those situations. And, you know, this next job is going to involve some stress and, and work, a heavy workload, too. It's just going to be different kind of work. So I won't I won't miss like the just the day to day. Like, I don't want to call it a burden, but just to know that, OK, I've got to write something today. I've got to write something tomorrow. And, and like thousands of people are going to see it you know, what am I do next is a little bit more behind the scenes. And that, that, that part I, I look forward to. Well, cause this job affects how you watch sports, no matter what yeah. you're like, it affects how I watch chiefs games. How I, because you just take this mindset of like, you're always kind of analyzing and, and in some ways it's, it's good. In some ways it knocks the emotion out of it a little bit, but right. So you wrote your first story, you said, on your birthday in 1998. Did you cover the 98 season for the Tribune? I did. I, so I was high, I was okay. still a student at Mizzou um, in the J School. I started my junior year in 98, the fall of 98. And there was an opening at the Tribune. Um, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, had graduated. He was working there part-time. Uh, and so I, I was able to get his job. I interviewed for it with Ken Heidel, the late Ken Heidel. And um, he hired me. So I covered a little bit of everything in Columbia, but I, I kind of became the Mizzou football number two writer. Jason Williams was the, uh, who's a columnist now for the Cincinnati Post or Cincinnati Inquirer. I always forget which one it is. Um, either way, he's a, he's a sports columnist now in Cincinnati. 
and he was the beat writer. It was his first year on the beat. And I was basically the number two guy. I went on the road with him for road games. I covered all the home games. I also, you know, covered high schools and Columbia College and everything. It was it was part time technically, but it was full time hours. It was great experience. I did that my junior and senior year. So I did cover that '98 uh, team, and and uh, man, that was a great great start to it because there's so many personalities, as you well know, on, yeah. on with that group back then. Yeah, I covered the the 97 and 98 teams as a student. I was at KOMU. And I if we cross paths in 1998, I really don't remember it. Um, Dave and I did joke like this would be a fun podcast where we just do what we do at practice and we just sit around and name former rant, the most obscure Mizzou football players we can. Um, and there are some of them on that 98 team. But then, uh, like, I left – so. So you were you're a couple years younger than me, and you you went were covering the team full time, and I came back in '03, and I remember meeting you through Bob Ballou at uh, Big Twelve Media Days at, at some random hotel. That's how long ago it was. It was yeah. Big Twelve Media Days in in Kansas City, and uh, it's been so I guess something like forty five years between us. We I keep saying like since you made your announcement, we've gone from being the kids to being what my dad and Vahe and all those people were like, my dad asked me yesterday, what's it like being really the only old man on the beat now? So uh, <laughs> thanks for that, I guess. Yeah, it was something else because like, you know, in the last few years we'd come across younger writers on the beat and not all of them, but a few would, would almost like resent the fact that when you and I would, would get something before right. they did or have a relationship already. And, you know, we both had the same kind of responses. Like, well, we had to earn this. It wasn't wasn't this way in 1998. Like, your your dad and Bill Coates and Bayer Gregorian and and even you know Chris Trevino at KMIZ and Brian Nooner at KOMU. I mean, they were the adults in the room, and they they broke all the news. They they were the ones that ran this thing. And uh, you know, Ken Heidhold had been been in Columbia a couple years uh, before I, he hired me, and he he had a really good finger on the pulse of things. And then his reporters that he hired, Joe Waljasper was still around. Um, you know, he had moved from the Tribune uh, and before he came back to the Tribune and did the uh, Inside Mizzou Sports, I think it was called. So he was, he was around. It was a really competitive beat. And we were, we were the kids. And I, I didn't even know if your dad knew my name, like my first two years being around the team. Um, I do remember though, like the first time I, I had, I, I felt like I was kind of part of the group in 1999 when Larry Smith blew up in Norman, Oklahoma, he was really upset. They got, they got shut out. Larry Smith blew up a lot that year. He did. Yeah. It was not the good Larry Smith year. And he, he, he was pacing at the, at the lectern. Um, he was getting ready to go on the air on the, the post-game radio with Gervino, who was standing there. And he, he, he told us sitting there, he goes, I'm not, I'm not taking any questions. So I said, okay. So I thought this might be a good time to uh, time this and see how long he talks. And so I got out. At, I, I mean, we didn't have like it was ninety nine, so we didn't have like smartphones. So I just timed it on my watch, and then he ranted. I still, I wish I still had the tape somewhere because it was, it was pretty good. And I, I was the official timekeeper. And I'm pretty sure in your dad's story and Bill Coates' story or Vahe, whoever was there for the post dispatch, they all used my official time for how long Larry's rant was. And I kind of felt like, okay, I, I belong now. I contributed right. a little bit here to the group. Yeah, I remember thinking the first four or five years, like. 
Thank God my dad covers this team for the star. Cause otherwise, like that's the only way I'm getting any story. I'm not, bra- I, I don't know how I'm eventually going to break news on this beat. Yeah. Uh, but then they all retired and, uh, right. and it got, it got uh, passed on. But like, I, I think probably most people listening to this, like give me, cause I, I've got two or three, but in 25 years of this, like what two or three things kind of stand out of like, that's the most fun or that's the best memory that, that you have of covering something. Man. Um, and it was probably stuff that we didn't appreciate at the time because it was, we thought of it as work, even though I think, right. you know, all of our friends who have real jobs, like don't consider it work what we did. <laughs> we, we, just, we just go watch football for, for we, Yeah. We didn't know any better. Um, you know, I, back when there was a lot more kind of one-on-one interviews um, with, with important people, uh, there are times where you walk away from an interview and you're like, holy crap, that was so good. You check your recorder like 10 times to make sure it works. And that was, there was always like an adrenaline rush when you knew you had something good, not necessarily breaking news, but like a really good interview where somebody really gave you good stuff. I remember having that with Pinkle once, um, or it, it was when they were starting to get good, but he, he hadn't really told many people about like his, his, his childhood much yet, but he just opened, he opened a vein to me one day. And I don't know why it was, it was before that first cotton bowl. And I remember then writing that story and he talked about things that really hadn't been discussed yet publicly. Um, you know, he was, he was kind of guarded when he first got here. We know that. And he didn't really, especially with us, us kids running around, he probably didn't trust us a whole lot, but he did that day. So that I remember that being a really cool dad worked so hard on that, on that story just to tell a little bit more about his background. Um, then I think to just kind of the silly stuff like sitting in and, and it was awful at the time, but we're sitting around curator meetings and hallways and just the absurdity of it all, especially when they would trot us into the meeting and we knew they were going to close the meeting immediately, but we still had to be there just to make sure something didn't happen. And, you know, we, we became like veterans at it, at that whole process and probably understood that that whole process better than like any beat around in the country because oh, yeah. it happens so often, but I mean, again, we didn't enjoy it at the time, but it is funny to look back and laugh at, at some of those times for sure. I mean, there's a decent chance between 2006 and 2015, we spent more time at University Hall or like, I remember a really weird uh, farewell press conference from Quinn Snyder at the Holiday Inn Executive Center, I think, uh, after Gary Link fired him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was pretty crazy. I, uh, you know, and it was hard not to be, snarky and cynical during those times and i really tried not to be but it was hard it was hard not to because we there so many things were either sometimes it wasn't even handled poorly it was just that was the process and you had to like sit through it and there's a lot of red tape at the at the university level and just for whatever reason a lot of stuff happened (laughs) during those times i mean um the commentary alignment alone was and i think we still agree like missouri did the right thing um, but it was there was so much that happened, so much drama, so much intrigue, and it was every day. And like every day, like the that, back that season, like the the football barely mattered. It was just the drama of a realignment and expansion, and whether that was all going to happen. It it seems like well, it was a decade ago, but it's it seems like another lifetime ago. It really well, does. It, and I think like uh, my it has nothing to do with the game, but my, in 20 years of doing this, my number one, holy shit, that just happened moment was when we we're over at Jesse waiting for Brady Deaton to basically start a press conference where we kind of thought, 
well, it looks like somehow this whole Big 12 thing is still going to happen. Right. And then all of a sudden, David Boren's conference call comes on and Boren starts making these co- – I think that was the wallflower comment yeah. about we didn't start this, but we'll end it. And, like, there was – like, I remember walking out of that meeting going, oh, this is done. Like, Missouri's not coming back to this thing. There was a real, like, shift that day, yeah. I remember. I remember walking out with Chad Moeller, and he couldn't say what was going to happen because he didn't know for certainty, but he had a pretty good idea. And he's like, you guys are – you guys get it, right? And we're like uh, – <laughs> I, I, are you saying what I think you're saying? Like, I think I think I am. Wow, this is actually going to happen. Missouri's going to join the SEC, and we couldn't write it that way yet. Right. We were pretty close. Well, because that was back in the day where conference realignment took you know two years instead oh, yeah. of six and a half minutes. So. Yeah, you actually had to like have meetings and vote <laughs> on things, which we cursed right. at the time. Like, why couldn't this be happening faster? And then lo and behold, that's that's all it takes. Right. So you like you didn't even you didn't cover Mizzou basketball until you went to the PD. Like yeah. this, this is how much this business had changed. The, the Tribune used to have a football and a basketball guy, man. It was that staff was so good. And it was so big. I think it, at our peak at the Tribune, I was there from 98 to 2013. I left for about nine months. I had a little, um, I had a, I don't know what I even call it these days. I was going to go to law school. So yeah, I, you were going to be a lawyer. I quit working there. And then um, I kind of, I, the, the getting into law school and deciding how to pay for it didn't exactly, uh, I didn't, I didn't time it very well. So I was back, I was back after about nine months. Um, but yeah, so we had a, a football, Mizzou football writer and a Mizzou basketball writer. And it was James, James D Horn was there for first couple of years. And then Bob Thompson, good friend came and replaced him. And then eventually Steve Olentic came in and did a really good job. And there were times where I was the football writer and we were like in between basketball writers. So I would, I, I covered both. I went out, I remember going to Manhattan and uh, covering a K-State Mizzou game uh, when Quinn was the coach. I remember when Keon Dooling entered the NBA draft, we didn't have a beat writer. So I had to cover that news. So there were bits and pieces times, but largely, no, I was football and, and, you know, I was there for basketball, but I, I wasn't really covering on a daily basis. That, that staff we had, I still marvel at it. There was, I think we had 13 people, including, including, uh, part-timers, which is, which is a, a lot. I mean, it's like 11 more than they have now. Um, and really good writers and Ross Dellinger was there and Steve and Joe Wall Jasper and, um, you know, David, David Briggs. So we, we had some, we had some talent for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's changed just a little bit. Right? And, a little and like, bit. I, I don't think anybody's super interested in the inside baseball, but like, I, I say all the time, I was trained to do almost nothing that I do in my job now. Oh, yeah. Like, that's no offense to Missouri's journalism school, but like, hey, just nobody saw where it was going to go. No, I mean, what we're doing right now, I mean, this didn't exist in the, in the 90s. I mean, podcasts or um, I, I had zero like video training at all. I, I We didn't have the technology. I mean, all, the only thing you could film with was the, one of those massive cameras that they had at KOMU. You, you know, we didn't have iPhones and um, I didn't do, um, yeah, I, I do a lot of radio stuff that I've done and there was no real training for anything other than just writing and not even a lot of like long form writing. Cause you were either magazine or you were news editorial. So I wrote shorter stories and, um, uh, it was great experience. It was, I, I was really fortunate cause I had the experience of being in the J school while at the same time working, you know, across town at, at the Tribune and getting, you know, the real life experience and getting paid for it was the best part. Um, you know, at the Tribune at the same time. So it was, it for me, I, I, I learned from both places. 
Had you, had you done much? Like you've had a week. Uh, I know you got three kids, but you've mostly just probably been sitting around your house drinking bourbon the last week right. doing nothing. Had, have you done much thinking back? Like I think sometimes, man, we were lucky to cover the period of Missouri football that we oh, did. Yeah. And it looks a little bit better, right, every year. Oh, yeah. um, like I, I think when Gary left here, people knew he was good, but I don't think they knew – like they appreciate now how good he was. And I mean – I, the one day that, that still always stands out to me is 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 walking into Arrowhead that day. And that was just kind of that was the one thing that I think we both covered that like you woke up that morning and you just said, this is different, man. Like this isn't something I've ever gotten a chance to do before. And I may never get the chance to do something like this again. Yeah, it was surreal. And I remember um, in the press box, there were a bunch of Mizzou grads. there, like national mm-hmm. media. And they all wanted to take a picture together of all the Mizzou grads. And those of us that cover the team on a daily basis, I remember being a little awkward about it, like, oh, this is kind of cheerleadery. But I did it anyway. But, I mean, Pat Forty was there. Dennis Dodd was there. Um, Tiger Steve Richardson was probably there. Uh, I I never saw the photo, but I was in it. You might have been in it. Your dad was in it. Yeah. Uh, Bill Coates was there. Vahe was there with his graduate degree from Mizzou. It was was really weird. Like, And they were – I kind of appreciate a little bit more from there because they were like, when we were students at Mizzou and we were at the Missourian and the man eater, like this, we never could have imagined this day. Like this, this was never even crossed our minds that it was possible. Um, so that was pretty cool. And I think um, I remember still then the month. So the Monday after that game, Gary still did his radio show over at, I, I don't think it was called Spanky's. It's whatever is right. the holiday in now. And I went and I went with uh, my wife, Molly, we, we got married earlier that year and then her parents went and they were longtime season ticket holders, you know, grew up Mizzou fans in the state. And when Gary walked in the room that night, and that was the day that Mizzou was voted number one in the polls. When he walked in the room that day, he got a, a standing ovation that lasted forever. And I looked around the room and there were tears in the eyes of the older generation, the folks that go to Tiger Talk, <laughs> not the students, because they they couldn't. I mean, this is the day they dreamed of and probably given up hope that it could actually happen. And and I, I think right then probably didn't acknowledge it or appreciate at the time because we were probably thinking like, all right, well, Missouri's a player now. They're gonna, this is going to happen all the time. And as we know, it's, it's a lot harder to do. So yeah, that was a pretty surreal moment in time to, to cover this program. I'd say that one. And, and the one that the, the other one that always sticks out to me and, and because my, my kids are, are older than yours, but was taking my, I guess he was, 13 at the time down to the quad when they had game day before the OU game. And I remember just kind of standing there and going like we grew up and, and I don't know how big a Mizzou foot, like I was a Mizzou fan growing up. I listened to the games because my dad covered them and stuff, but uh, I don't know how closely you followed it, but we grew up kind of in the (laughs) death Valley of Mizzou football. And I remember kind of standing on the quad and going, this shit doesn't happen here. And, and like, those are the days where, Nobody likes to bitch about our jobs more than those of us in the media, right? And right. how much time we spend and all that. But those are the days where you go, man, they're they're paying me to do this. This is right. this is all right. Yeah, that was something else. Our boys were our twin boys. They were born in the fall of 09. So they were not even a year old. We took them really early. They don't remember it. They've seen the pictures, but yeah. uh, it was something else. My wife just be, growing up in Columbia, um, you know, being a longtime fan, um, you know, she, I think she appreciated what it meant. Uh, it, it was something else. And then, um, you know, just everything that came out of the, the Gary years, I, again, I, I didn't really appreciate probably 
what he did. Not so much what he did. I knew that. It's how he did it until I, I wrote his book with him because he he gave me the program. It's pretty much, I mean, it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a binder. It's all this stuff. And it's all the stuff we always heard him talk about and maybe sometimes rolled our eyes about it because we heard it so many times, but it was all documented and it was so organized to a T. Uh, and I think he, he borrowed a lot from other people, but you know, he just built it over time and it, it evolved. And when you see it, and I still have it down in my office in my basement, it's, like, it's in a box. It's like Gary's program. Like when you see how much work and how detailed it all was, then you, I think, appreciate it a little bit more. I'm like, okay, this didn't just happen. Like they had to work at this and it, it, it did work. Well, and that's the biggest difference between the job you had for a long time and, and really the job you're walking away from. Like, you wrote a book with Gary. I know you still keep in touch with him now and again. I know you talked to Christensen and Steckel. We both have players on those teams who I think we we consider friends of ours at this point in time. Yeah. Like, you just knew the people you covered in a way that, like, I don't think there's anybody that's gone to Mizzou, gone through Mizzou in the last six or seven years who you would say you can see keeping in touch with 15 years from now, probably. Yeah, it's different. I think part of it was, you know, they, they hadn't been, a lot of those coaches hadn't really been exposed to big time college football yet. And well, we they're, were, they're, they were Mac coaches. They, That's yeah. all they were ever going to be. I heard that a lot. <laughs> um, and, and then when they got here and then had some success and the people that were around them uh, covering it, I think they, they, you know, built some rapport with some relationships, some better than others. Uh, and I, I think that had a lasting effect on them. And, um, you know, and then, and then, you know, you also have to learn how, this is part of the job that, you know, I've always tried to keep in mind is like, it's about relationships and it's about, you know, you don't have to be best friends with everybody, but if you can have a, a working relationship, some rapport, treat people with respect, be fair, um, you know, treat them as human beings, even though they are in a result oriented business, um, still have some empathy for them. Then you can build those lasting relationships. Like when I made that announcement last week on social media that I was stepping away from the post-dispatch. I mean, I heard from Steck pretty quickly. I heard from Dave Christensen pretty quickly. He's over in Poland. Um, I heard from <laughs> a, a bunch of former players and uh, that that's cool. It's, it's great to have that. When I went to Gary's uh, hall of fame enshrinement in December in Vegas, he, you know, a lot of his coaches from that Mizzou team were out there and it was great to, to, you know, catch up. And I was, I was there writing about it, but I was also there cause you know, um, just, you know, there to, to, be there you know because i had a friendship with gary and uh to kind of visit with them on a different level was it was really cool yeah well i was talking to i was talking to evan bame at the first missouri practice he's you know back as a ga or whatever he's doing and i was i mean it's weird to think about the kids that we covered as recruits are there's a division one basketball coach out there there's they're middle like they're closer to 40 than they are 30 at this point in time yeah it's wild this is the this is the first time when Dennis was hired, the first time I'm older than both Mizzou's football coach and yeah. men's yeah. basketball coach. Conzo was a few years older than me. Um, and Barry was a few years older than me, but yeah, it, it is, it is weird when you be, all of a sudden become the old guy. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's an adjustment. Um, I, I don't know, man. Is there like, I, I don't know if it's a, a certain player or is it, is there anything like, Everybody that's listening to this has read everything you've written for 25 years. Is there anything that that like you just look back on and 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 think, hey, here's something that that fans wouldn't know, or here's a here's a thing I did that 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 you'll most remember, anything like that? Mm. 
Um, yeah, I just remember what sticks out to me when I think about my favorite times to cover Mizzou football specifically is when when they just had really good guys, and we were probably around them a little bit more. The media, you know, atmosphere was a little bit different. Um, you think about those 97, 98 offensive line men that were on that mm-hmm. team, and some of them still live in Columbia. We see them all the time, like like Mike Morris and, um, you know, Rob Reedy's mm-hmm. in St. Louis, and uh, Craig Heinberger was a great guy. I mean, you could just sit around with those guys. And we were we were their age back then, so it was maybe a little right. bit easier. Um, and you could, you could kind of shoot the shit and, and – get good stories out because they were great quotes too. They were really, really good with your stories. And then, you know, the, the, the 07, 08 years, the leaders on those teams. I mean, I always wonder like guys like Martin Rucker and, and Lorenzo Williams, um, Sean Weatherspoon was coming up. Like were those guys great guys because they were winning and like they rarely had any bad things right. to talk about or did those teams win because they had really good guys and like they had, I, I think there's something to that, that they were great leaders. Uh, they were, they were super serious about the team, but they also like, they didn't take themselves that seriously. And they were just good to be around and they were just great kind of ambassadors for the program. And they, they, they never like mailed it in when we had to talk to them and they looked, they almost looked forward to it. I probably didn't, but they, they at least seemed like they almost did. A few of them did. Yeah. A few of them. And, and that, that made, like, again, it, it didn't really feel like work, and it probably wasn't, but it made it even more enjoyable. So th- those t- those two times kind of stick out to me um, as, as just really enjoyable people to be around. It was it was fun writing their stories. It was easy to root for them. Like, I know we yeah. were objective in the press box, but those guys were really easy to want to see have success. Well, and I would not be doing my duty to the people if I let this conversation pass without giving you the opportunity to discuss Cornelius Brown, if you'd like, <laughs> as, as the greatest player in Mizzou football history. He's up there. I mean, I, he was on my Heisman <laughs> ballot until he uh, blew out his Achilles. I, I don't know what it was. It was the first day we met him in practice in 07 in camp. And I don't know if you were there for that first round of interviews, but... It, it was when he told us his government name. I made the mistake of calling him Cornelius. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, my mama calls me pig. You're going to call me pig. I'm like, all right, sure, fair enough. And he was just great. He was like, it was so easy to see why the players like, like just liked him so much and fans too, because he was, he was great. And then, you know, a couple years later, no, no, probably his, the next year, um, I made a joke on Twitter because they were having the tent sale on campus with the used jerseys. And it might have been a couple years later, probably was. And I made the comment that like, Man, I, I think I tagged my wife. I said, man, she would love nothing more than a, a pig brown jersey. And assuming that they didn't have any of those. Right. And 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 the great Don Barnes may, might have done a favor for Molly Matter. And uh, still hanging in our closet is a game-worn Cornelius Brown 13 jersey. That, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's left the closet too often, but it is there. Excellent. Well, I mean, I've had a ton of people reach out to me and people are on our message board saying, you know, want to, want to know what you're doing. We'll, we'll get to that, but they're still going to see you around. Um, I know that you will, uh, will miss being able to spar with them on Twitter. I'm sure that is your, that that's the thing you're most going to have trouble giving up. Those days are probably over. Um, no more Thursday chats at STL today. Oh, my cat is getting in this podcast here um yeah i'm gonna miss i'm gonna miss some of those interactions i'll still be on social media i might have to be a little more guarded um 
but yeah, I, I feel like I I did my time. I don't I don't think that'll be something I will uh, really miss a whole lot. And the great irony is that the last game, the last football game you were supposed to cover for at for the post dispatch, you actually didn't even cover because you were stuck in St. Louis after That's bragging. Right. Yeah, I tried to do the I tried to do the double dip of covering bragging rights, and then I was supposed to leave crack of dawn the next morning, which was the day of the Gasparilla Bowl. I was like, I can do this. No problem. Of course, then we got the ice storm and I spent all day stuck in my hotel in St. Louis and eventually made it back, but did had to watch the game on TV. And uh, yeah, I guess that, that was it. Yeah. And then, and then my last basketball game covering was a, a, a NCAA tournament was a great experience. It was great to cover, but it was, it was a loss. Which was like, you didn't cover the Norfolk game. That was when you were still at the trip. So it, it would have been a good bookend though. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was a, it was a, it was a fun and pricey week in Sacramento, as you and your, uh, as your, your expense report can verify. No question. Uh, good thing we've only got one flight to pay for during football season. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I just wanted to uh, appreciate you kind of doing this. I know you haven't haven't done a lot of this so far. You're kind of waiting for the next step. But we got a lot of people that, uh, despite what they may say online really enjoyed uh reading your work so i wanted to to kind of just get together and uh and and shoot the ship for a little yeah. bit and uh if you want to uh come by the tailgate on thursday you can meet some of these fine people in person i'm not officially employed um by anyone by anyone right. so um yeah i might i might be right i do have insurance coverage though so i, I am medically insured insured <laughs> excellent news well appreciate it man it's good to catch up well i say catch up i mean we still text every day but whatever um yeah. so i uh i have a feeling we'll we'll see you around and uh people can uh i guess keep their eye on your twitter feed to find out where you're going next it should be out soon we'll see <laughs> all right thanks dave appreciate it man yep all right that's dave matter uh just wanted to want to bring him on and, and give you guys a chance to hear from him just Again, uh, Dave and I have, have done the same job more or less for 20 years and uh, kind of just a conversation, little perspective from this side of it. We're just going to put this out as a podcast, put it up on YouTube for, for you guys to enjoy if you want to. So uh, thanks for listening. We'll, uh, we're about 50 hours from the season opener. We'll do all that, but just want to take a break to do this this afternoon. Talk to you later.